Congress is back in session this week with a lot to do on their task list. We wrapped some of the things up before the holidays, uh, but there's a lot that they have coming up in the next few days, weeks, and months. And the perfect person to talk to us about it is Leo Shane, who's the deputy editor of Military Times, has been covering military and veterans issues for 20 years. Leo? We don't, we don't need to say specifics here. We can make it seem like I'm younger. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for taking the time. I know it's really busy right now, but that's exactly why we wanted to, to get a few minutes of your time. So when we're thinking about what's coming up this year um, in D.C., I, I think it would help to think about that kind of flurry act of activity that happened in December, right before Congress broke uh, for a couple of weeks. And one thing, you know, we don't have to talk about it too much, but of course, it's great news that the Senate was able to finally Passed those 400 something nominations that had backed up on the docket um, uh, on Senator Tuberville's blockade. Those people are in those positions now. We're transitioning to them. That's that's great news. Um, yeah, look, I mean, you know, it's the right place to start because there's still so many unresolved things from 2023 that we're entering 2024 with. Right. So those nominations, yes, the blockade got done and they're all there. But we're still hearing from the Pentagon. They're still putting people in place. They've still got to move some folks around. So. It's not like once that happened, everything was solved. We're still in, you know, a couple of weeks of getting those people positioned in the right thing, seeing some retirements, seeing some stuff. And then once they're all in place, the actual work starts. Then, then sure, we start sure. to see folks start to work into the new roles, make the new decisions, you know, have some of those leadership changes. So so I think we'll we'll be seeing the effect from that for several more months, if not even longer for some of the, you know, when we get into the the next move, you know, their replacements. Now the clock starts for them. So two years from now, instead of two years from a year ago, um, you know, we're, we'll see people move into those jobs. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's exactly what the Pentagon and the, the service leaders were saying at the time about why it was a more lasting impact than, than maybe what he was going for there. Talk about the refresh our memories on where the NDAA, NDAA ended up last year, the, the 2023 NDAA. We'll talk about this year's NDAA later, but how did that end up getting settled? Sure. So they did actually pass one, which is good. They kept their uh, 63 years of uh, 63 year streak going. But it was a little questionable there for a minute. And it, you know, it seems like every year it gets a little, a little more questionable, a little more, but that was another last minute piece of news. This is a massive, the, the, Annual Authorization Act is a massive piece of defense policy, sets the general spending parameters without actually appropriating any of the money. That's the appropriations bill. But uh, but look, this had the, the biggest pay raise that the military has seen since 2022, 5.2% uh, pay raise that, that went into effect on, uh, on January 1st. So that's good news for most military families. We did see the smallest end strength authorized since 1940. We're seeing a, a continuous shrinking of the military in terms of personnel. Uh, and that's a major point of concern for a lot of lawmakers, but it also reflects the difficult recruiting and retention environment that that we've right. seen in recent years. So, and the biggest thing that was in the Defense Authorization Act that is what wasn't in it, which was uh, anything dealing with some of the big social issues, um, the abortion fight, the transgender policy, some of the so-called woke policies in there. A lot of those those uh, provisions were put in by the House. There was a lot of House conservatives who were who were fighting for them, but in the end, they they opted for a pretty, pretty clean, pretty uh, calm authorization bill just to make sure that everything got ahead. We'll get into this in a minute, but you know that's that's going to be one of the things looking ahead is all right. How much of that gets recycled into the 2025 authorization bill, and do we end up having a lot of these fights not just in Congress but on the campaign trail too? Exactly, because if those fights happen again in the in the summer fall. 
uh, it's it's already there's already a lot going on out there on the campaign trail, uh, as you mentioned, and then not to mention, well, I will um, that you know the the very narrow House now it's going to be down to a two seat majority that Republicans have in the House for all of this. I, I think the other thing that we just need a refresher where it ended was appropriations, and then I guess we can go ahead and talk about the the upcoming part of that. But where were we when we when we kind of took a break for a week or two? Yeah, we're still not done with appropriations. We got the authorization bill done, but we don't actually have the money to to go ahead with any of these things that got authorized. So uh, Congress is still working off, or the country is still working off of a, a short-term budget extension. The defense budget has been extended at last year's funding levels until February 2nd. The new fiscal year started October 1st, so we're getting close to the halfway mark of the new fiscal year without a new budget, which is causing all sorts of problems in the Pentagon. Uh, the good news is Congress did put in extra money for the military pay raise and for a few provisions like that. But, you know, new programs, new initiatives, big new acquisitions, those can't move ahead until the 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 2024 fiscal 2024 budget is passed. Um, in the last few days, we've seen some signs of hope that they may have a, a new budget deal. Um, the, both the, the House uh, Republican leadership and Senate Democratic leadership unveiled a $886 billion plan for the military. But you know, until that work gets done, we really can't start looking ahead to next year's work. And that's that's where we're stalled this week. We've only got uh, two weeks until uh, one partial government funding deadline. Um, that's uh, that's for um, VA and a few other agencies. It won't hit as hard as as defense would. But then February 2nd is the big date. They've got to get another plan before then in place uh, or pass another short-term extension. Otherwise, we're looking at a shutdown where troops won't get paid, where uh, commissaries will partially shut down, where all sorts of base operations will be thrown into disarray. So, so we're starting out 2024 just like we ended 2023. Lots of lots of deadlines, lots of shutdown threats, and lots of uncertainty as to exactly when we're going to have a final appropriations budget. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the I should tell our listeners that we're talking now on Tuesday, it's the 9th uh, in the afternoon. There, Like you said, there's been some hope uh, in the early part of this week that, that there's at least those top line numbers, but that's kind of far from the actual work getting in the next in the next 24 hours we may see another deal come through another deal fall apart and another deal this is this is how congress works now is they're they're working from deadline to deadline and this you know it's it's especially frustrating as we start to look ahead for what congress has to do this year because february is usually when we start talking about the authorization bill for for the the following fiscal year. When we talk about the budget for the following fiscal year, it's a process that that is supposed to go from about February until September, with the idea of passing a full new budget for every federal agency uh, at the at the end of September, if not earlier, um, with getting the authorization bill again done sometime in September at the latest. Um, it just hasn't it hasn't worked that way. It hasn't worked that way for the last ten years, twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to. Trying to remember how many how many budgets I've covered. I think I've I've only covered two that have actually made the fiscal year deadline there, that October first deadline. Um, and as you mentioned before, I've been I've been doing this for a little while. I, uh, yeah, I wrote right, right. wrote some stories on the on the FY05 uh, authorization bill. So <laughs> um, so it's it's astounding to see just sort of how dysfunctional that has become and how the how the whole process has has drug out over the years and. You know, not having a budget now pushes all that other work back. So we're looking at March before we really start talking about next year. And that's assuming that we get something. So a lot of concern, a lot of concern about what this is going to mean, um, you know, as we're moving ahead. Yeah. And one of the options 
at least kind of always in the back pocket is is just going to a full year continuing resolution. There are even some of the House Republicans who don't want to do that, who might even be interested, they've said, in, in seeing a shutdown as as opposed to that. Um, but then we hear, from, as you were mentioning earlier, those policy things have very real impact at the military family and defense community level, which is exactly what we hear again from the Pentagon if there were to be this full-year CR. There's all this stuff in the authorization bill. There's all this stuff that Congress is is demanding that they start doing, but then isn't coming through with the funding for that. Look, the, the refrain from the Pentagon has been, we, we know that it's late. We know that everyone's frustrated that there's not an appropriations deal yet, but for the love of God, do not do a full year continuing resolution. Sure. That will be even worse. So, um, you know, what that does is that locks in the spending levels for last fiscal year. So we're talking about, you know, pretty substantial $40 billion shortfall in terms of what the Defense Department wants to do. That means, you know, certain construction projects will have to be put back. That means new program starts. That means some equipment purchases will have to be put back. And there's, there's a trickle down effect from all of that. You know, if there's not base improvements at a commissary that were, were planned for this year, that gets pushed back. Maybe that means that they can't keep the commissary open as many hours. Maybe that, you know, there's there's all these all these family impacts that that you start to start to see there. So um there's an extra bonus problem with uh, with a full year CR this year. And that has to do with the idea of of a return to sequestration um as part of the budget deal agreed to last summer uh between President Biden and House leadership. They said if there wasn't a full year budget deal in place by January 1st, that would mean a 1% cut in spending for the Defense Department and for non-defense programs. Now, that money doesn't actually disappear. Or that doesn't become a real problem until about April. And, you know, the Congress can always just pass a bill that says, no, no, we're fine. And we, we got around all that. But it's past January 1st. They still don't have a plan. And if you're talking about a, a one-year CR, it's not just that. It's not just that cut from, you know, from what you expected. It's an actual 1% cut on top of that as well. Right. So it's not even flat level spending. It's it's going right. back. Yeah. Uh, and, and like you said, they could just decide to to do away with that. But it's still something that's, that's hanging over uh, the Pentagon. I, I know um, at our event in uh, in October, that um, Office of Local Defense Community Cooperation Director uh, O'Brien was talking a lot about how that would impact the, the grants that come to defense communities that have been extremely helpful over the past several years. Uh, so yeah, that sequestration and, and people remember what that was like for, for all those years under the Budget Control Act. So it's a little bit scary. Well, and the fact is they don't they don't even know what the full impact is going to be because they haven't really planned for that. Nobody wants to plan for what is essentially a disaster budget here. So right. as as we get closer to April, if it looks like we're not going to have a solution, if we're not getting anywhere, then all of a sudden you're going to start to see some of the real the real sob stories, the real this is the impact, this is what's getting hit. So look, we're we're still a little bit away away from that. As I said, there is a budget deal that is going through here. It looks like maybe there'll be progress on that. We'll have to see what what the Republican leadership can get through their uh, through their chamber and and where this goes. But you know, I think we'll know by February second whether or not this is going to be a a full panic mode year or this is going to be somewhere we move ahead. And so these next couple of weeks, these last few weeks of January, are really going to be key both for the current year and for all the planning in 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 twenty twenty five. Let's say the best case scenario that that those four spending bills get passed here in the next week or so. Uh, the it's already starting to sound crazy as I say it. Um, that it's possible. To be clear, the best case scenario is I win the lottery, and then you know the the, the then, department has to do all this. But 
Short of, yeah, yeah. So short of that, they they get a plan, we move ahead, and it's February 15th, and now we can start to actually look ahead at 2025. Well, that's what I was going to, to say, because also, you know, th this year it seems that the State of the Union is scheduled for later than normal. Uh, often the administration doesn't want to put the budget out until after that. So I feel like we're already getting a slow start on 2025, even if we were to get 2024 wrapped up. You know, you're you're exactly right. When I heard that the State of the Union wasn't going to be until the first week of March, my first thought was, well, I guess we're not going to see the budget until March 14th, March 15th, yeah. somewhere in that range, because they they typically don't. They'll leak out a little a few things. But um, and it makes sense if we're this far behind on planning for last year. But that has a trickle down effect. So typically in a not just in a normal year, but in a normal election year, Congress wants to try and wrap up everything by July. Um, so that would be speeding up all these appropriations bills, finding some sort of deal. You know, the last couple of election cycles, they've they've just punted and said, well, the new administration will come and they'll have their priorities. So we're really just going to extend the the current fiscal year all the way to January and let them deal with it when they come in. Or if it's the same administration, let them deal with it after after the election. But but that still means a, a ton of hearings in March, April and May and a ton of work on the authorization bill. You know, the, the House Armed Services Committee and the Senate Armed Services Committee, the appropriations committees, they usually spread these out as much as they can. But it's in that February to July range. Now we're really looking at everything being probably mid-March to mid-May. Um, that's going to be some some long hearings, <laughs> a lot of yeah. a lot of uh, senior officials being called up back to back to back on Capitol Hill to answer questions and to talk about their priorities for next year. You're not even going to get a chance to buy a lottery ticket uh, <laughs> in the summer. The, so what do you think then are the chances that we maybe have some of those uh, authorization bill fights, the ones you were talking about, the kind of the policy writers or the other kind of um, outside issues that are, you know, um, appropriate to discuss with the Authorization Act, but that we have those kind of debates, then they go into November, and then the bill doesn't actually end up being passed until kind of that lame duck session after the yeah, election. You know, it's so hard to say because a lot of lawmakers would love to have this in their pocket when they go back in the summer and be able to say, look, you know, we are operating. I've gotten this. I've, You know, this is what right. I've gotten from the military community. Here's what our specific community's gotten. So so there is a lot of a lot of will to move forward on this and get things done. But, boy, what we saw last year was a lot of fights over these social issues, the abortion policy in particular. You know, not only did it was it central to holding up all those nominations, but uh, but there were quite a few fights and quite a, quite a bit of language in the authorization bill coming from the House to, to put that in there. In the election year, the temptation for a lot of these these conservative lawmakers to put it in there, or for uh, progressive lawmakers to 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 push back on that and be able to go home and say, "This is what I'm fighting for." It's going to be there, and that's that's the kind of thing that drives the uh, Armed Services Committee's leadership bonkers because. They don't want it to be a political thing. This does reauthorize a whole host of really boring bonuses and specialty pays and and yeah. housing allowances and things that just need to be done. And they'd rather be yeah. they'd rather be done with it. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. Not you know it, it's going to be hard to tell in the beginning just how much they'll they'll dig in. I would expect to see a lot of these controversial things um, in the bill at least as it comes out of the House Armed Services Committee. But does it get changed on the House floor? And if it doesn't get changed on the House floor, is leadership really pushing and fighting for this as it moves ahead? Or are they saying, OK, we've made our point. Let's just find a compromise bill and get this over with. What is uh, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that's on your radar that, that 
you're really, really tracking over the next several months uh, in, in any of these issues? Yeah, one one huge thing is going to be the issue of junior enlisted pay. So, look, we, we talked about the 5.2% pay raise. Right. Uh, that service members are in, in line for a pretty good pay raise, again, based on federal formulas in 2025. But, uh, but what we've heard a lot from um, House members in particular is that they're concerned that the the across the board pay raises aren't helping the junior enlisted enough that their their salaries in many cases are below a $15 minimum wage and that those are the families that are the most impacted by some of the inflation problems of late and some of the higher costs so um so even we've we've the, the house armed services committee actually set up a special panel last year to look into this issue they're supposed to come back with recommendations in the next few weeks and i think that's going to be not a fight, but a major conversation point and a major friction point as as these lawmakers try to figure out, are there ways that we could get more money to these folks, but are we going to have more money to spend in other places? Are we going to be victimizing modernization or training or or someplace else in order to make sure that that we can improve the quality of life? But, you know, there there were some proposals last year that were floated out there about targeted pay raises for uh, pretty much anyone E5 and below. Um, you know, I expect those to come back up again. I expect to see uh, some some really vigorous debate over how's the best way to do this. And, you know, it would not surprise me if at the end of the day, Congress got together and said, you know what, it's going to cost more money, but let's find a way to, to really boost those those uh, lower ranking salaries up. Let's find a way to make sure that, that they're at a level where we don't hear stories about service members having to go to food banks or getting on food stamps anymore. Because right. that's you know that that is is the worst case scenario in everyone's mind. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought that up because we've been following that quality of life panel as well uh, with Congressman Bacon, Congresswoman Hulan. The they they've been working so diligently it seems on a, a lot of issues. So there's going to be the junior enlisted pay, childcare, um, of course, housing is is on their list, uh, and and they may come up with some great ideas. But then the if there is no money, if we're on a budget from two or three years ago, uh, then how do we how do we fix the barracks now? Uh, and then definitely, how do we do that in the future with new ideas? Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to fix a housing problem if you make the housing problem worse before you try and fix it. So if they right. can't if they can address some things in in 2024, that puts even more impetus on 2025 and makes 2025 an even bigger problem. The 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 good news in all of this is, and, I, and you mentioned the panel, you know, um, Chairman Bacon and Congresswoman Houlihan, uh, that's a Republican and Democrat, and they have been working very closely despite all of the other fights on the committee and throughout Congress. Mm -hmm. This has been a, a rare area of bipartisanship. So I think the, the recommendations they're going to come in with are going to have buy-in from both parties. It's really going to be a, uh, an issue of how do you make the numbers work and not the political will side. Again, I, I don't think there's a lot of people who are saying junior enlisted troops make too much. We should we should get more money out of them. I, you know, right. I think there's it's a pretty popular idea to help them out yeah. more. The question is, how do they just how do they how do they make it work? And is it is it going to get entangled in other fights where they just can't seem to find the money and get it there? But you know, it's 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 something that that uh, Congressman Bacon has talked to me about and said this is a huge priority. And I'm hearing from the folks above me. I'm hearing from Chairman Rogers. I'm hearing from leadership on both sides. We're going to get this done. So he's he's really staked a stake the flag in the ground and said, this is going to be the year that we see some real movement on on a, a bunch of these quality of life issues, especially focused on those junior enlisted. But 
Uh, you know, I this could be an NDAA that is a really, really personnel heavy one that has targeted pay raises, that has improved child care, that has real, real jumps in how housing allowance is handed out and requirements on on minimums for contracted housing and things of that sort. So um, so I'm fascinated. Will they have enough time? <laughs> will there, will there right. be too many other fights in the election year and push that aside? I don't know, but I'm hoping not because those those are the ones that, you know, at the end of the day, military families are really going to see. It's one thing to talk about the big numbers and how's that going to yeah. work out and how many how many ships are going to be built over the next 20 years. Whether or not your housing is good is something you see today, something you see tomorrow. So yeah. that's that's one where I, I think you know we could we could see some some real quick changes and a lot more faith in Congress if they can if they can make those improvements for those families. Well, part of what I'm hearing is that you have a lot going on and a lot to do, and I don't want to take up more of your time. Uh, but thank you very much, Leo Shane, for for joining us and talking through this. And I hope. Um, I know people will be following Military Times to see the latest and uh, hope that uh, you'll check in with us down the road and we can we can see where we are on some of these issues. No, please do. There's going to be there's going to be plenty this year. We didn't really even get into the election stuff yet. So we'll see. We'll check back in in the summer and we'll see how much of this election turns into a military election, too. Yeah, we maybe by then no, nobody wants to talk about the election, but we'll <laughs> see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. It's starting to pick up here with with the Iowa caucuses. Uh, so it's all it's all in motion now. Um, thank you again for for being with us and hope uh, that we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. America's Defense Communities, the podcast, is a production of the Association of Defense Communities, online at defensecommunities.org. This episode was produced and mixed by Mark Parrott. I'm Randy Ford. We'll talk to you next time.